A huge thanks to Hum Nutrition, the sponsor of today's episode. So I have been taking my very own clients lately. I've started my own small business and I do do virtual consultations. They are very in-depth sessions and I'm not only trying to understand what my client's skincare routines are like, I'm trying to get an overall understanding of what their wellness level is like. Do they take care of themselves? What's their stress level like? How's their digestion? How do they feed their skin? What do they eat? Do they work out? Are they sleeping well? All of these things, right, can definitely play into skin health. And when something is amiss internally, usually our skin is one of the first areas to reflect it, trying to signal to us, hey, something is wrong. Let's take a closer look at the body as a whole. I don't know about you guys, but I've totally been that person just wandering through Whole Foods wondering which vitamins I should get. Hum makes it really simple and it's all about helping you find the right solution for you to achieve real results in your mind, body, and mood. Hum only uses clinically proven ingredients that are highly absorbable, non-GMO, and free of common allergens. Hum offers personalized product recommendations from a registered dietitian based on your concerns. You can use their three-minute evaluation to help figure out which vitamins and supplements will help you achieve your beauty goals. And again, these products are backed by clinical results, and they're designed to get you looking and feeling your very best, and they are shipped to you each month. So I took the quiz and it came up with some suggestions for me based on my goals and improvements I'd like to see in my body. I tend to want to focus on gut health, which is so tied to the skin, and probiotics and digestive enzymes are a couple of things that I have realized can really help my body to break down food and just function better as a whole. So I take the Daily Cleanse, which is a mix of detoxifying herbs and minerals that can help reduce breakouts and improve skin clarity. I also take their Skin Squad Pre and Probiotic, which is nine ultra-targeted strains of good bacteria that balance the gut, reduce non-cystic acne, and helps to improve dry skin. And then lastly, Flatter Me, which is a blend of digestive enzymes and herbs that help break down carbs and fats to help reduce bloating, which is always kind of a sore subject for me, and help to improve digestion. With cold and flu season approaching and everything going on right now, we got to stay on top of our well-beings, get your sleep, eat right, take your vitamins, manage your stress. To help boost your well-being in the ways that you need it most, you can take Hum's quick quiz and get individualized product recommendations from their team of registered dietitians to help bring your skin, body, hormones, and mood into balance with Hum Nutrition. Use my code TREATMENT and you can get 15% off your order of $29 or more. Plus, with flexible subscription options and super chic packaging, I really look forward to taking my vitamins every day, and it's insanely easy to stay on top of your daily dosage. That's humnutrition.com to take the quiz and code TREATMENT for 15% off your first order. Take care of yourselves, guys, and enjoy the show. 
A big thank you to Olas for sponsoring today's podcast and shout out to all my SDs who know what it's like to frantically scramble around your treatment room, looking in drawers, looking in cabinets for something, anything to freshen your breath before your client comes. Funny story, when I was working at my first ever esthetician job, which was at Credo Beauty, our store was sort of part retail, part spa treatment room in the back. And we had this little routine amongst all of us girls. Before our client came in the store, we would run over to this little corner where we had this amazing mouthwash and we would grab a little Dixie cup and do a little swig just to freshen up because none of us wanted to be that person with bad breath doing extractions. We were all honestly obsessed with the taste of this mouthwash, which I know it sounds kind of crazy for a mouthwash, but it is different from anything I have ever tried at the drugstore. It just has this holistic minty flavor that's not too sweet or overpowering and feels like it's burning your taste buds off. Olas mouthwash is alcohol-free and contains a natural blend of organic bioactive ingredients like echinacea and magnesium to actually strengthen oral immune support and prevent plaque that causes bacteria so it freshens your breath and actually reduces oral inflammation. This is a must-have for your purse, especially in the height of flu season, to have on hand pre-client or even pre-date night. Plus, it's free of my worst enemies, sodium lauryl sulfate, Fluoride, artificial colors, or fragrances, all these things can be the culprit of stubborn mouth breakout or even perioral dermatitis. It is even paleo and keto friendly. You can use code TESS for 20% off at olaswellness.com. Just click the link in my show notes to shop and freshen up. Now let's get back to the treatment room. You're listening to The Treatment Room, a safe haven for estheticians and beauty lovers alike to indulge in all things skincare. We've got a lot on the books, from interviews with experts and estheticians to sessions with me, one-on-one, dedicated to helping you find your glow and reach your professional potential in this ever-changing spot industry. I'm Tess, and I'll be your esthetician and host. Feel free to relax, Take a deep breath and grab a comforting cup of tea. Welcome to the treatment room. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the treatment room. My name is Tess Zolly, and I am your host. Today we have a fan favorite and a favorite of mine back on the podcast with us. Her name is Michelle Phelan, and she's the founder of Concepts Institute of Advanced Aesthetics. It is an amazing school where I've taken most of my outside advanced aesthetics courses, and it's super convenient because you can actually take a lot of Michelle's courses online. So I'll put all of that info below for you guys. We have had Michelle on before to talk everything from chemical peels to ingredients. And today we're going to focus the episode around elements of successful spa business and how to create some habits that will last you a lifetime in the career. So we're so excited. Welcome, Michelle. 
Thanks, Tess. It's great <laughs> to be back with you and with everyone. Thanks so much for having me back. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time and coming back. Could you tell the listeners a bit about your background, which I know is extensive? You've been an esthetician for 30 years. What, what experience do you have in the spa business realm? Yes. So as you know, I've been an esthetician for yeah about 34 years. It's hard to believe it's been oh, that goodness. long. <laughs> so since the, what is it now, the mid 80s. And you know, back in those days, there was no such thing as an esthetician license. We were all cosmeticians and then grandfathered in in 1990 with the induction of the esthetician license. So I've been licensed a really long time. And I have done everything from, as you know, teaching. I, I, I do a lot of teaching, a lot of the clinical aesthetics teaching. But I also have run um, a large spa. That's kind of where I started out after becoming an esthetician and working a couple of years in the industry and uh, sort of learning, you know, about all kinds of things and doing a lot of studying on my own and doing some due diligence and then opening my own spa. So um, would you like me to talk a little bit about about that particular spot? Absolutely. And you have to tell us what it was like working for the sisters who started Benefit. <laughs> yes, yes. So I know we were talking, Tess, earlier about when I first started out, when I first started my career and I was an esthetician, probably before I was an esthetician, I think it was the days of cosmeticians in California, I started out working for Benefit. And back in those days, it was still owned, um, and maybe it still is, I'm not sure, I could be wrong, but owned by um, two great women, very inspirational, Jean and Jane, and they were about six foot two models, or they were models, um, the Calgon Bath Twins, if you Probably most of you are too oh, young yeah. to remember no, that. I remember. <laughs> I used to get Calgon in my Christmas stocking. Yes. So they yeah. were the, the bath twins, you know, in the bathtub. And they had um, Benefit, the salon, the salons, I should say, called Benefit around the Bay Area, the San Francisco Bay Area. And I worked for uh, a couple of those shops. And that's where I really started to gain a lot of my knowledge and a lot of my experience as an esthetician came um, from that, you know, working with different people, seeing different skin types. And I worked there for a couple of years at um, a shop in San Francisco on Fillmore Street, which is a really popular area in San Francisco, the Pacific Heights area. And this, of course, mm. was many years ago. I was about, let's see, I'm 54 now. So this was back when I was about 20, 21 years old. And I got great training. And then I went on to open up my own practice. The first practice I had, my own private practice, I actually rented a room at um, the back of another salon, I rented a room and I had the opportunity to just meet a lot of wonderful people. I got a lot of um, referrals from the others that worked there. A lot of, you know, the practitioners there, therapists there were manicurists. So I got a, the opportunity to uh, take on a lot of their clientele and really built a wonderful clientele just working out of the back room of a, um, a spa in the San Francisco West Portal area, actually. I don't know if anyone's familiar with that area and stay there a long time. And then I went on to uh, purchase that business 
they wanted to sell the business. It was originally a manicuring uh, spa back in the day. They wanted to sell that business and I purchased it and I closed it down for about a week and I reorganized it so that it still uh, provided manicures and skincare, but we added on a lot of other things. We had a makeup artist that worked at the front of the spa that did uh, mini makeovers for people who would come in. We also sold makeup and, and skincare. <laughs> we uh, had a um, massage, a couple of massage therapists. We had another, I hired another esthetician and then a, another few estheticians after that a couple of years later. So I was there for quite some time. I ran a spa of probably about 15 or 20 people in its heyday. So that was that was a really an experience. Plus, I worked as an esthetician myself in my spa as well. So I wore all different hats. You know, when you're a new business owner, you're doing kind of everything. You know, you're doing some of the bookkeeping, the marketing, the managing. So it, it was really something, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I was just thinking, it sounds like you've really done, you've done it all from being the esthetician to overseeing estheticians and managing spas. And I'm sure you've seen, you know, failures and successes. Do you think, I think most of our listeners are estheticians just starting out and who really want to make sure they're offering the best experience in the spa possible, would you say you can sort of identify important elements of creating a good client experience? Yes. So depending upon, I mean, we all want to offer quality, you know, services and treatments, and we all want our clients to have the best possible experience every single time they come in to see us, not just once or twice, all the time. Always mm -hmm. want to give a hundred percent. Now I remember times where I would work, especially back in the early days, maybe a 10 hour day and I was just exhausted and burnt out. And maybe at that mm -hmm. point you even want to just go home and rest and you have that one last person and you want to have as much enthusiasm and zest and love for that client that you do your first client of the day. So that's really important to have sort of that upbeat, positive attitude Smile on your face, you know, it makes people feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. That's very important. What I like to do too, and I, I still do today in my clinic that I run, is I like to take a step out and then back in and take a look at the environment like I would see it mm -hmm. through the eyes of a client. You know, mm -hmm. how, how comforting is this environment? How inviting is this environment? Is it clean? Is it sterile? Uh, does it smell good? Does it sound good? You know, is it everything that I would want it to be if I was a client myself? Mm. Yeah. And I will say your room is very inviting from all the facials I've done with you. <laughs> so you have that down. I think another sort of like first step that estheticians have some anxiety and nerves around because they know it sets the client up for success or or maybe failure if it's if it's not done thoroughly and that is the client consultation 
How do you think somebody can go about really having a strong consultation with a client where they understand their goals and they set the expectation? That is a really good question. And, you know, for all of us estheticians, we want to be great with the skin, but not just great with the skin. We want to be masters of the skin. We want to understand it, you know, very, very profoundly. Because if you don't have a good understanding of skin type and skin condition, then you won't treat it correctly. You won't choose the correct products for that skin type or condition. I always say it's almost like um, a you know, doctor, if they don't diagnose the patient correctly, then the medications won't be the correct medication for mm-hmm. the situation. Mm-hmm. So you definitely want to make sure that you have your skin analysis down and you try and communicate as much as you can with your client asking questions about their skin, you know, the products, the medications that they use, everything should be down on that initial consultation form. You want to feel the skin, touch it, make sure Mm -hmm. it has good snapback when you're touching the, you know, trying to figure out the uh, elasticity. And you just really want to make sure that you have the knowledge of um, how to give a great consultation and a great skin analysis. And I know most of you learn that right? You learn that in esthetician school. I know I have a class that teaches advanced skin analysis in the integumentary system where we really drill down, not just into skin types and conditions, but have a really, um, you know, a good discussion about skincare products and ingredients and how they affect the skin on a physiological level. That's really important. Mm. I think that's really important to, to have that. Yeah, I think it's so important. And I was actually surprised just talking to an SD student because I recently put a video up on YouTube with my some of my tips for skin consultation. And the feedback was, you know, thank you so much for this video. I feel like it's something that was glossed over in school. And we only, you know, worked on the same partner throughout the entire program. And they felt like they didn't necessarily get such a broad scope of different types of skin. And and that's just it. When you're in school, when you're in esthetician school, if you can, if you have the ability, you want to look at as many different people as you can, you know, as many different skin types and conditions as you can, because there's really no substitute for experience. You know, once you analyze, you know, 10, 50, 100 different skin types, you'll notice you start to come across things that are very similar. Like you'll Mm -hmm. recognize, okay, well, this individual has oil dry skin or lacks oil. Why do they lack oil? Well, their skin might be a little flaky. The pore size or the follicle size is nearly invisible, which means that, you know, it's not accommodating a great flow of oil. Or when you apply a moisturizer or an oil to the skin, you're going to massage the skin. If you feel like, wow, what happened to this oil? I have to apply more oil. The skin Mm -hmm. is taking in that oil, needs the oil, perhaps is lacking oil. So then you would determine, well, you know, perhaps this person has oil dry skin, is lacking oil. Oil dry skin means lacking oil. Mm -hmm. So what should I do with this issue? Well, we should take a look at the skincare products that, uh, you know, that they're using that you may recommend or suggest for your client. And that product, whether it be a moisturizer or a serum, should be, you know, have a little more 
oil, higher oil content. And when I say oil content, that could be like the natural, healthy, good oils, unsaturated fatty oils, like mm -hmm. maybe a little coconut oil, grapeseed oil, you know, wheat germ oil, things like that. So you're, you're right. It's, I, I find that's one of the biggest uh, questions, you know, that I ha get asked over and over, you know, what is it? How could I find a place where I can really learn how to analyze skin? Mm -hmm. Well, it's most of it is just ex experience. If you get all your friends and all your family members together and you line them up and you analyze, you know, everyone's skin before you start practicing on your client, that's a good idea as well. That's very helpful too. Yeah. Yeah. I think the more experience and the more faces you can touch, I mean, of course, when it's safe, we're in an unusual situation with the pandemic, but right. the more experience you can get, the better because it really, school really is the baseline. And I did take your class, Michelle, on skin analysis. And that was, I think, really helpful because it's, gosh, it's, you know, sometimes it can, you don't have a ton of time to do the skin analysis. It's sort of a condensed thing, but it's so important. And when I was practicing one of, that was one of the areas I really wanted to un ensure I got as most information as I could. And, mm. you know, the more specific, the better. I would like to ask my clients, you know, what are you using morning and nighttime? So I have a really comprehensive idea of, you know, what they're putting on their skin on a daily basis. So I think the product part, you know, that's, that's important. And I think that's also something that takes takes time to understand. Are there certain things, Michelle, that you look for when when you're asking your clients, you know, what products are you using? And maybe you're going through the ingredient list. Are there certain things that sort of set off a red flag for you or that um, you just think are important in understanding, you know, what's going on with their skin? Yeah, the first thing I do for almost everyone you know, who comes into me. Uh, after I clean the skin, I'll take a really good look underneath magnification and I'll ask this question. I'll ask, you know, I'll, I'll say to them, um, now, when you wake up in the morning, are you ever oily? Halfway through the day, do you ever have to blot? And mm -hmm. what I'm trying to determine is, do they secrete a lot of oil? If they say, yes, I wake up oily, yes, halfway through the day I have to blot, then I'm looking for pore size. And if I see larger pore size, right, larger follicle size, I'll realize, yes, they are a little bit on the oily side, especially if their skin is thicker. It's almost like orange peel-ish. But not everyone mm -hmm. who has oily skin is going to have a thick orange peel-ish skin. So mm -hmm. I ask those questions, and then I want to look carefully at the skin to see where the follicles are large. And that will give me that idea. I also want to know, of course, like you mentioned, Tess, what are you using? Bring me all your products. I want to see everything. The first visit that we have together, bring me mm -hmm. a bag of your products or at least text me, right? Take a picture, text me the ingredients and I want to look at all the ingredients. I want to know what you're using for your skin. Here is an interesting um, story. If I might add this in, yes. I had uh, one of my, and 
probably Tess, you've heard the story in the past. I talk about it when I talk about cosmetic ingredients. I may have talked mm-hmm. about it on your show um, previously. But I had a really great client of mine who had pretty normal balanced skin. She really didn't have a lot of congestion. She didn't really have acne. One day she came in and her skin was just filled with congestion. And I could feel just with my fingertips, even though she was covering most of it with makeup, close my eyes, roll my fingers over her skin. And it was like a rocky road. And so I had asked her, Jasmine, what are you doing differently? Your skin wasn't congested you know, a month or two ago. And she pulled out a foundation of some sort and said, this is the only thing I'm using. This is the only thing I've changed. Mm-hmm. It is a uh, coverage for my skin. And it says tea tree on it, tea tree to help treat acne. Well, we all know that tea tree is germicidal, right? It is antimicrobial. But looking further down the line, I noticed it had uh, some kaolin, some talc, vitamin E, color, isopropyl myristate, all of these things that are well known for being clogging, especially if someone is prone to congestion. And so we had this conversation and she handed it back to me. It's not anything that I sold her, but she handed it to me and, and said, well, why would, you know, why would someone produce a product like this? And mm-hmm. I couldn't, we were both dumbfounded and we tossed it in the trash can (laughs) but here's the thing anybody can produce a product anyone can make a product so it's really important to make sure that you know cosmetic ingredients and which ingredients benefit which skin type because you might have a product line that's great for dry skin Mm -hmm. but it's horrific for oily skin or it's you know wonderful for mature skin but too stimulating for sensitive skin. So it really is very important to have a good understanding of ingredients and then understand how these ingredients, all these different active ingredients, affect the skin physiologically. Yes. Where do you think is a good place for estheticians to start as far as expanding their ingredient knowledge? Yes, a great way for uh, people to become familiar with skincare ingredients is to start by reading the back of ingredient labels. You know, every product that you have, your cleansers, your toners, your serums, and there are classes that you can take. I do give a class. It's called a cosmetic ingredient class. It's online on demand class. You can sign in anytime. And it teaches you about not just the active ingredients. Of course, we all want to know about the active ingredients because active ingredients are actually what give us the benefits, right? All of the different wonderful benefits that we get from skincare products. But we also talk about bases and humectants and emulsifiers and other things that hold the product together, as well as preservatives. But I think it's really important, like I had mentioned before and mentioned in other talks that we've had, tests that mm-hmm. an esthetician really needs to know their ingredients to be mm-hmm. able to treat the skin very effectively. You know, skin an- analyzation is number one so that you, you know, you're accurate in your analysis so that you can then go forward and treat the skin correctly and educate your clients. That's a really big thing is the education of your clients so that when they go home and they don't have you right there by their side, they will have, you know, some of your education so that they can 
work with their own skin for that month or few weeks in between the clinic visits. When you are looking at an ingredient label, Michelle, are there certain things that sound an alarm to you or stand out as red flags, like certain things that one skin type should avoid, anything like that? Um, it just in general, and I know a lot of people have an issue with preservatives today. And preservatives, if you want your product to last longer than just a couple of weeks, most products do need to have preservatives, but there are natural preservatives. You know, essential oils can preserve a product pretty naturally, and the functional groups that are taken from essential oils also. You know, there's also citric acid. So I know that some of the, you know, the parabens. A lot of the product lines today are taking out just because of the controversy surrounding parabens. If you have someone with, you know, very acneic skin, like I had mentioned earlier, you really want to avoid some of the heavier oils, the more congestive oils, and also vitamin E. Vitamin E can be very, very clogging. When you take it internally, it normally helps to keep the oil in the skin um, less heavy, but when you apply it topically, it can be congestive. So as far as acne is concerned, vitamin E topically and products topically probably won't be your first choice. Some people are even allergic to essential oil. So it's important to ask your clients, you know, do you have any allergies? If you're allergic to ragweed, you might not be able to use chamomile because ragweed and chamomile are very closely related. Mm. So yeah, having that in, and you can kind of get the idea now why it's important to know your cosmetic ingredients because there's so many variables. There's just so much to learn and so much to know. And so if you at least have the basics, you'll be able to pick products, you'll be able to pick ingredients that are good and right for an individual skin type or condition. I'm really glad you brought up essential oils because I know you are somewhat of an expert on the topic. And I think essential oils have become something that is getting demonized, much like preservatives or different things in skincare. Just it, it seems like once the word gets around that something is not beneficial, then it's almost like everyone has this, you know, opposing, strong opposing view against essential oils. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts? What type of skin type should avoid essential oils? And then what is the argument for essential oils? How can they benefit someone? Yeah, so essential oils can be a wonderful thing. It's just like a medication. You know, if you take a medication that's not right for you, that's not right for your condition, well, it can do more harm than good. And it can, in some cases, it might be even deadly, right? Well, that's not the case with essential oils, generally speaking. Um, aromatherapy, and I say aromatherapy, you know, aka essential oils, are plant extracts that come from individual plants, you know, like orange comes from the peel of the orange Rose essential oil comes from the petal, ginger comes from the root, and they're very strong and they're very potent. And so generally they're blended down in skincare products so that you gain the benefits without some of the, you know, the, um, I don't want to say caustic properties of certain essential oils. When you use aromatherapy straight on the skin, meaning neat, 
on the skin without blending it down, it can injure the skin. It can be too much. It can be too too stimulating. So first of all, it's important to choose products that have the correct essential oils for the individual skin type and skin condition, and also make sure that they're organic and also make sure that they're not too strong because there, there are many cases of them being too strong. When I blend essential oils, even for massage for my clientele, you know, the formula is usually about one ounce of base oil. So that could be one ounce of base oil, could be coconut oil or grapeseed or wheat germ or jojoba or whatever base oil I choose, depending upon the individual skin condition. And then usually blend in about 15 drops, just 15 drops of maybe one essential oil or a combination of three. But you can see 15 drops to one, you know, one ounce of base oil. That's very, very little. And I think sometimes people don't use essential oils correctly and they end up doing more harm than good. If it's used correctly and you have a really strong, you know, profound understanding of the chemistry of the essential oils, it could be a great thing for the skin. And of course, you want to make sure that, you know, your client doesn't have any allergies to a particular oil, that they also like the scent because scent is so steeply linked to memory. If you use a particular scent, a particular blend, and they don't like that smell for whatever reason, um, they're not going to have a good experience no matter, you know, how beneficial that oil is for them. You also brought up an important point that the concentration of the specific ingredient is so important. And as crucial as it is for estheticians to learn ingredients, we also want to understand how a product is diluted. And perhaps there's an ingredient such as vitamin E or essential oils that broadly we think of as congestive or, you know, could be irritating, but I think really looking at the label comprehensively and Mm -hmm. understanding that, you know, the concentration and different buffers and where that ingredient falls, if it falls at the end of the label, how that can affect the overall product formulation as well. And that's, and that's really important. And unlike unsaturated fatty oils, like let's say grapeseed oil, coconut oil, jojoba oil, which, uh, excuse me, wheat germ oil, all of the unsaturated fatty oils that can be very clogging if they oxidize in the skin, generally essential oils are not. They're very light. They're very small in molecular structure. And although they are an oil, they don't usually clog the skin unless the base oil, the oils that I had just mentioned, are um, you know very heavy for the individual. That is usually what causes some of the clogging in the skin. So you know you want to make sure that you're using the correct ingredients, the correct essential oil for the individual. Uh, make sure that you're not using too much of it. Make sure that they like the scent, and then make sure that the base, the base is um, would be like, for instance, if I used a base of argan oil or a base of coconut oil. Make sure that the base is also appropriate for uh, your client's skin type or skin condition. I do have a um, aromatherapy certification class coming up. I don't know if your followers will get to hear about 
this prior to it already, uh, you know, the class be being held, but it's October 11th and 12th. It's a two-day class if you're interested in, you know, blending essential oils for your clients or even blending and selling them. It will come back around again, though. It usually comes back around about every, I would say, like three or four months. I want to take a quick break and talk about where my relationship with beauty all began, where this whole obsession got its start. So I was a 90s baby, and before Instagram and influencers, before YouTube Get Ready With Me videos and TikTok, we had magazines. And I didn't just like magazines or casually buy them and flip through them. No, no, it was a whole event for me. I was just captivated by them. And I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for magazines. There was one in particular I waited all month long for, and that was Allure magazine. It was so special because it was the first dedicated space for beauty that I had ever stumbled upon. That first space where I could just hang out on those pages. I could learn about the products. I would mood board my favorite beauty looks. I would pull out those pages and put them on my bulletin board. And I would just fully and unapologetically immerse myself in that passion. I waited all month long, and when my allure arrived, it was this special day. I would just, I would dart out to our driveway. I remember I would tear off that plastic seal. I would run back to my room and lock the door and just hop on my bed and read the magazine for hours. That was my first experience with what we now call self-care. And you guys know me, I am always going to point you towards the best resources and information on skincare and beauty. That's why I am honestly so excited. This is so full circle for me, but I am so excited to share with you a new podcast from the experts at Allure called Allure, the Science of Beauty. Join Allure as they dive deep on topics like sunscreen and wrinkles, and don't be surprised if you discover your new favorite serum, hair mask, or scalp treatment along the way. Michelle Lee, Editor-in-Chief, and Jenny Bailly, Executive Beauty Director, are asking the tough questions, we love that, and getting the straight answers from dermatologists, cosmetic chemists, and more experts. The best part is you don't have to wait a month for the information to show up on your driveway like I did. A new episode airs every Thursday, so listen to Allure, the science of beauty at listen.allure.com slash tests or wherever you get your podcasts. I'll pop that information in the show notes for you guys. I know I cannot wait to listen to this podcast and I hope it brings you the same joy that the magazine has always brought me. I cannot believe I'm saying this, but thank you so much, Allure Magazine, for sponsoring the show. Make sure you stick around to the end of the episode to listen to a trailer and sneak peek at Allure's new podcast. Now, without further ado, back to the episode with Michelle. Perfect. Well, yeah, we'll definitely put all of your information, Michelle, in the show notes. So, so anyone listening can check out what you do have available online because like Michelle said, her 
courses become available at different times, but there's usually, you know, something on the horizon that you can take from home. And just speaking from experience, I have absolutely loved all of Michelle's courses. And it's been a big, all of her classes have, I think, played a big role in my education overall and just getting more than just the basics, which we learn in school. Yeah, and it's really important too, as you know, Tess, not to take one ingredient out of context, you know, yes. to look at the entire formula and also to have, and where it all starts is a great understanding of the skin analysis process and to analyze the client's skin correctly. Because yes. like I had mentioned in the past, when we don't analyze correctly, we're going down the wrong road. Everything you do after that point is not going to be beneficial <laughs> to your client's skin. Yeah. Michelle, can you tell us about sort of your process when you are looking at somebody's skin and feeling are there, is there a certain checklist you go through mentally in your head? Yes. Yeah, so every, every individual, every client, especially every new client who comes into the clinic, of course, I'll have them fill out all the necessary paperwork and gain their medical history and what they're using on their skin now. And often I just have them bring in, um, I'll, I'll bring in their products. You know, I line them up, I turn them around, I look at the ingredients, and then I talk to them about how they feel about their skincare that they've been using up until that point. And when I do the analysis, you know, of course, clean the skin and I put on my gloves and then I palpate the skin. You sort of press on the skin from the neck all the way to the forehead to see if there's any underground congestion or anything that I can feel, but I can't see. And then I ask them, you know, when you wake up in the morning, is your skin really halfway through the day? Do you have to blot? And if they say yes to one or both, I look very carefully underneath magnification and I want to see follicles that are large because that would mean, yes, they indeed, they are oily. And I would write all this information down. You also want to ask them questions. When you see something on their skin, maybe a little breakout around the mouth area, you can ask them, what have you been doing lately? Have you changed a product? Have you, you know, is there is there anything that maybe they didn't write down on their form that you need to know about? Any extra information that they can offer? Uh, again, like I had mentioned before, you need to kind of be a detective. When you're treating your client's skin, you see something on the skin and you wonder, you know, well, this is, is this PIH? Is this post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation or is it solar lentigo? You know, they're both different types of hyperpigmentation. PIH is caused by trauma like acne and solar lentigo by the sun. Well, how do you know if you've had many years of experience? Of course, there's no substitute for experience, but you would know the difference. But if not, you would want to ask them. Do you have, you know, have you had breakouts in this area? Do you feel that maybe the breakouts have caused these, you know, this hyperpigmentation or this post-inflammatory, or maybe they haven't, and maybe it's just a lot of sun exposure. Uh, but the, definitely having a conversation with your client, communicating with them, asking them lots and lots of questions. Don't be afraid to do that. Figuring out what other products they've used, medications that they've used. This will all bring you to, um, you know, to your, you'll arrive at your answers. So yes. questions are, questions are important. Yes. And I think 
sort of the second part aside of what you do in the treatment room is, of course, creating an effective home care routine for your client. Could you talk a little bit, Michelle, about how somebody who's maybe newer to the treatment room can go about laying out a plan? Perhaps we can give an example of a certain skin type. Let's use somebody who is quite acneic and maybe she has her skin is sensitized and she's got, you know, hormonal inflamed breakout around her jawline. How would you go about setting up an effective treatment plan for this client's home care routine? Good question. So first I would find out, you know, what she or he is using right now. I would talk to them a little bit about how long the breakouts have been there and do they come in, they go certain times of the month, maybe, you know, if it's a, a, um, a female client, it might just be hormonal breakouts from that time of the month, the cycle. Uh, but I would, um, after treating the skin and only after treating the skin, I would design a program. And usually the program includes, of course, you know, a cleanser, a toner, if they are very oily or very congested, of course, a moisturizer that's appropriate for your client's skin type and condition, maybe even a serum. If they are, we're talking more about um, acne here, right? So a serum Mm -hmm. of maybe a glycolic acid serum, or even perhaps if not that, maybe a retinol serum, something that helps to gently exfoliate the skin. And with acne, we know that every pimple and every sebaceous cyst starts with a clogged follicle. So we want to use some kind of exfoliation to keep the mouth of the follicle open and free from congestion so that oxygen can go in to kill the bacteria, sweat and oil can come out and everything is nice and normal. So I would probably, um, you know, add in some kind of exfoliation. Of course, if it is for someone who has acne, you wouldn't want to add in any harsh scrubs or anything that is very abrasive. And then um, a, uh, a sunblock at the end. If we're talking about acne, well, sunblock is not always acne's best friend. So you want to find a sunblock that is not too congestive. And then you want to have a, um, you know, we used to use cards where we would write everything out on the cards morning mm-hmm. and evening. Here's your morning yeah. routine. Here's your evening routine. You can do that or you can send it to them. You can text it to them just so that they have it and they could refer back to it. The worst thing is, is to have your client go home and not remember the words that you've told them, you know, and if you don't have it written down, this has happened to me in the past, a long time ago, where I would tell, you know, the client, well, you want to do ABCD. And of course, they forget all of these things, and they don't, and they don't get the results they want. So you want to make sure that it is down somewhere so that they can refer to it. And if they have any questions, I generally make myself available to my clients. I allow them to text me. I allow them to send pictures to me. I want to stay connected. I want to stay engaged because I want them to feel that they can really rely on me, that I'm the person that's there to take care of their skin. So that would be great if you can make yourself available to your client. really creates that strong bond that, you know, they'll have with you for forever. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that communication is so important. And also, like you said, Michelle, writing everything out and almost handing it to them like it's a little prescription for what exactly. they need to do. Exactly. Because to us, it's so familiar and right. we, we know the products like the back of our hand, but they may be thinking, what's salicylic acid? What's hyaluronic acid? This is all confusing. I don't know yes. what order to use it. I don't know when to use it. So I think, yeah, being so specific in your instructions is very important. That is so important. Yeah, because they will remember maybe 25% of what you've said. And as far as a regime, some people will remember more. It really depends upon the person. But when you have everything written down for them, it's easy. They can just, you know, tape it to their um, bathroom, you know, mirror, their vanity or, or something like that and have it right there for them. And another thing I find, too, is that when something doesn't work, they'll just kind of push it aside and say, well, this doesn't work. Most people, some will give a call or a text, but most people will push it aside and wait until the next time they see you. Well, that's not what you want. You want to make sure that they're using the products correctly. And if there's an issue with it, any kind of problem, they have any questions, that they should be able to contact you either through text or maybe through email. Keep that, you know, that relationship, make sure that they know that you are their go-to for skincare. Yes, yes. And I think especially in this time during the pandemic, when some clients may not be able to go in for treatments and who's who knows what will happen in this upcoming year, but keeping that communication and letting your clients know you're still there for them and you're available to hear about their concerns. I think that is definitely important when, when we don't have the same uh, FaceTime with people. Right. And that's another thing too, is having a FaceTime or a Zoom time. I know a lot of estheticians now are doing Zoom facials. I don't know. Have you heard about that, Tess? Oh, a Zoom facial. I haven't. No. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so they set up an appointment yeah. with you and you walk them through. So you are showing them on your face. Of course, you don't oh. want to give away all your tricks of the trade, but you are showing them on your face while they're working on their face, how to do yeah. a proper cleansing, how to do a proper exfoliation, maybe even how to do. And of course, there's, you know, it's not as relaxing to massage yourself as it is someone else to massage you, but you can mm -hmm. show them a very simple facial massage, just a very light facial massage. And, you know, they could even set up their uh, virtual room, you know, or their room rather with whatever they like, maybe some essential oils being emitted into the air, if that's their thing, or maybe a candle burning, make the room, their room and yours, <laughs> very relaxing. So of course, it's not as great as a hands on facial, but right. it keeps you connected. It keeps yeah. you connected to your client. They have that special time with you. You can you know, charge a certain amount for that until you both can return to the real, the live treatment room. I absolutely love that. I haven't heard about that, but it's so amazing to hear different ways in which the industry is evolving and people are getting so creative with their time and their business 
during the pandemic. So that is really cool. Sometimes we have to think outside of the box and just pivot, you know, just pivot. I know it's easy to sort of sit there and say, oh, well, you know, and become, and we are frustrated, you know, everyone's frustrated. But when you start to think outside of the box and creatively, you'll be it's really surprised at yourself and ideas that you can come up with. And you can then talk to your clients about these ideas. And I think the virtual treatments, of course, your client won't be doing a chemical peel or a microdermabrasion on themselves usually, but just your basic facial treatment, you could even teach them because you know they do it at home anyway. Some really simple extractions of blackheads, right? We Everyone removes a couple of blackheads now and then. And you might want to teach them how to do a couple of extractions. Nothing... You know, nothing extreme, nothing too, uh, you know, too advanced, but just a couple of little blackheads. And yeah. and they'll love that. And I think they can really use that, too, because it's been such a long time since a lot of our clients have actually had the opportunity to see us. 100%. And it's it's teaching them, you know, how they can implement that self-care. And I'm sure they so appreciate that. That's something they can take with them for life. So maybe not the same as a a relaxing experience in the treatment room, but maybe as valuable if it's something they can take home and actually understand how to implement in their daily routine. I think so. I think that's great. You know, whatever it is, you want to keep that connection. You want your clients to know that you're there for them. You know, if they have a question, you might even set up something like a half an hour of questions and answers that you can either do or even some, you know, might charge a small fee for. You can obviously sell them products, right? You can mail those products and sell those products to them. But to see your face, you know, to see their favorite esthetician, the person that they want contact and connection with, and especially now when there's so much divide and people feel so disconnected from each other, I think that's that's a, a great thing if you can maybe set up a little virtual facial through yeah. Zoom or another platform once yes. a month or twice a month. I love that. Michelle, I'd love to hear about, since you have so much experience as an esthetician and as a spa manager and as a business owner, I'm sure you have a pretty comprehensive view of what works really well in spas and maybe some areas of weakness or potential failures. Would you be able to share anything that comes to mind that you see spas doing that, you know, allows them to be successful and perhaps any sort of mishaps that somebody listening to can uh, take away and, you know, try to avoid making that mistake. Yes, absolutely. And number one will always be quality of care. You know, you Mm. want to offer whether it, it is your first client of the day or your last client of the day and it's eight o'clock at night and you're exhausted and you just want to go home and relax, you want to offer them a hundred percent, a hundred percent of you, um, your time, your energy, your touch and all of that. So I find that, that um, spa owners and estheticians in general who are very, very passionate and really, truly want to help their patients 
uh, that is at the, you know, that I would say is the very top of the list. And, um, you know, making sure that you are very knowledgeable, that you have a great understanding of what you're doing. I find sometimes in business, whether it just be, you know, if you're in business for yourself, of course, it's not going to be just the everyday treatments that you do, but there's a lot of other things that you need, you know, that needs to go into that. You know, it could be everything from your daily bookkeeping, if you don't have a bookkeeper, to your mm-hmm. marketing, your monthly marketing, or however, you know, often you do the marketing. And so really having an understanding, first of all, of skincare and wanting to provide, you know, top notch services and really being there for your client and having an understanding of the business as well. I mean, you don't have to be, um, you know, a marketing manager and an accountant, but it would be helpful to have some understanding of bits and pieces of these things so that you can do some of them for yourself. And of course, hiring the best people, if you have that option and that opportunity, hiring the best people to align yourself with. You know, you're, you're, you know, really, I don't want to say you're only as as great as your weakest link, but the people that you align yourself with are really important too. You want a really good team and everybody on that team should be striving you know, for the best at all times. Yeah. And I'm sure you've had experiences with hiring and unfortunately firing. What what would be, you know, characteristics that really prompt you to want to hire someone? And on the other side, what about, you know, how do you know when it's time to make that tough decision to let somebody go? Yeah, that's a great question, too. I feel that, of course, technique and having an understanding of the skin, we're all estheticians. So we want to be masters of the skin and everything that surrounds that. But also, you want to be really great with people. When I sit down with an applicant, and I have in the past and hired for my spas in the past, I sit down with someone and I really want to see that they can connect with me, that they Mm -hmm. can connect with other people around us, that they have that, um, that personality, very nurturing personality. Of course, you want someone who is responsible and reliable and all of those kinds of things. But between being a top notch esthetician, and being able to connect very profoundly with each and every one of your clients, I would have to say that the latter is a little bit more important. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, the esthetician should not have skills or should not be good. But that connection, you know, we're in the people business. So we mm-hmm. want to be able to connect with our clients very, you know, very deeply. And have you had the experience of, you know, feeling like somebody, maybe their attitude changed or you had to make that difficult decision to let somebody go? Unfortunately, over the last 34 years, yes. (laughs) And that can be for things that may, you know, reasons that maybe the individual was just not a good match for the clinic, or maybe they just really didn't enjoy what they're doing. And that really shows through. 
or, you know, maybe it just wasn't a good match for other reasons. Maybe they were great at what they do as an esthetician, but they're always, you know, a half an hour late every day, you know, all the time, which can throw everything off, not just your, your clients and your clients time, but the whole clinic. So yes, that does come with the territory when you are a salon owner or spa owner, you know, a clinic owner, or even a manager. So being able to sit down with somebody and explain to them why this just isn't working out that is an art in of itself. (laughs) That's tough. I I don't know if I could do that. That is one of the the tougher aspects of being um, a boss and a CEO. On On a positive note, I would love to know, you know, being in that managerial position, what's a way an esthetician can catch your eye and at least get that first interview process going? Yes. So I, I love it when um, the estheticians uh, come in and they have a sort of an entre- entrepreneurial spirit. You know, they're very upbeat and they're excited and they're passionate. They, they want to learn more. They don't mind being trained in the way that we do things. They love working with people. I, I think that is the most important in any in any industry, but especially our industry, right? Because we are dealing right. with people all the time and individuals come in and everyone has a different personality. And, you know, not everyone may be your favorite person, but mm-hmm. you want them to believe that they are your favorite person yeah. if you want to, to keep your, you know, your clients happy. Yeah. So... I like to see, you know, that's what I like to see. And of course, when I look at a resume, I'm very impressed with estheticians who come in with lots of extra training, you know, lots of extra experience, maybe training that they didn't have to get, but training that they wanted for themselves, uh, for their own clients, for their bosses. That really shows me that this person is serious. This person is a go-getter. And I like to see that too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that outside education and that passion. Yeah. It's, it's hard to ignore when you see that in somebody and you can tell that they are so excited to be there and they're passionate about the industry and they're curious. I think that really it's contagious and, you know, even, even managers or people who have been estheticians for years, they can be affected in a positive, positive way by somebody with that great energy and curiosity stepping into the spa. And in that regard, Michelle, I wanted to ask, what are some ways maybe an esthetician has just opened their doors, they have a, a new business, what are some of your tips for getting new clients in the door? Advertise, advertise, advertise. Marketing. The marketing is number one. You can be the best esthetician in all the world, but if no one knows who you are or where you are, then you'll be the best kept secret. (laughs) So you definitely want, and of course today, unlike in the past when I started out, you know, you 
we advertised through newspapers. We advertised yeah. in many, you know, different ways, but now you have social media. So that really helps to speed up the process of how you can build your clientele and how you can build your base. And of course, you, like I had mentioned so many times before, you only have one time, the first time to make a good first impression. So you can get that client in there, but they need to want to come back next month, the following mm -hmm. month, and for many, many, many years <laughs> to yeah. follow. So marketing is super important, you know, through Instagram and through Facebook and especially word of mouth, because of course, there's no substitute for word of mouth, because when your friend or a family member tells you about someone, right, or something good, you, you, you trust them, probably, and you, you want to mm -hmm. check it yeah. out. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so marketing is number one, where you will be sitting for quite a long time, even again, if you are the best esthetician ever, you need people yeah. to know about you. And right. you also want to maybe establish some kind of a um, referral that you can, um, for instance, if your client refers a friend or a family member, then they get a special discount the first time they come in. And then the client as well, the next time they come in, you want to you know, reward them as well. So mm -hmm. I think that's really important, the marketing. And when they do arrive, you know, just making a wonderful first impression, make that yes. connection. You have that one time to make that connection and make them want, when they leave, you want them to say in their head, wow, that was the best experience I've ever had. And yeah. I am going to go and tell everybody about this right now. And so then you start to build your clientele. Yeah, we have such a power, I think, as estheticians, it's a rare job where you're, you know, physically actually touching people. But somebody is so vulnerable to your touch and they can be so receptive to all of the education you're willing to impart. So yeah, I think the marketing will will bring them in, but I think it's really that one-on-one -on -one relationship you cultivate your, and like you said, Michelle, that first impression, it's your eye contact, you know, calling them by their name, maybe remembering small details about their life, really listening, those little things I think you know go exactly. a long way in terms of yeah people you know creating that relationship with you that is what I think you know speaks so loudly of you and will always I think you know a referral from somebody you trust whether it's a family member or a friend or a sister if somebody is you know speaking loudly about how wonderful the experience was so doing a lot of the things we've talked about in this episode, I think that will truly, it's the long-term way to get more people in the door. Exactly, because anyone can um, bring in a client, right, for the first time. But it's keeping those the clientele happy and maintaining that client base and adding to the client base with hopefully your client base will refer their friends and family. Uh, most of my clients have been with me for about, well, about 30 years if they're still with us today. Um, and I think it's because I really do try to, you know, implement those kinds of things. And they can also tell if you care. You know, yes. they can tell yeah. if you're genuine. They can tell right. if you're enjoying your job. They can tell if you care. 
And we all want to be with someone who, or whether it be an esthetician, right, or a doctor or a hairdresser who we feel really connected to, that is a great uh, technician or a great practitioner, but someone who we can talk to, who we feel comfortable with. If you just think about the different practitioners that you see, you probably yes. don't want to stay long with a practitioner who um, doesn't have a great bedside manner or maybe who rubs you the wrong way just for whatever the procedure is that they are providing you with, right? It is that right. connection. And right. we, we are in that business, the uh, you know, personalized, uh, hands-on people business. So we need to be able to really you know, hone in on those skills. And if you really are passionate about what you do, it will just shine through. You know, you yes. probably won't have to try so hard. It will just shine through and everyone around you will be able to see it and everyone around you will know it. Yes, yes. And I think that's, you know, maybe perhaps one of the biggest strengths of new estheticians. You may not be the most experienced technician yet, but really like hone that excitement and how new it is for you and tap into that connection with people because you're experiencing that for the first time. I think that will take you so so far because a million people can cut my hair or, you know, give me a facial. But if that person is willing to share a piece of information that's life changing and is willing to listen and, you know, makes me feel special. If you can make somebody exactly. feel special, that's like the part, you know, you can't always learn in a class, but I think everybody has that innate ability to connect and listen and make somebody feel special. Exactly. I mean, that really is what it is in in this industry and not to take away from your skills, uh, but right. to really, like you say, Tess, to hone in on some of the other skills that you have, right? Some of the other life skills that you have, that, you, that you're giving, the nurturing part, which is all part of it. That's part of it. I have a lot of new estheticians say to me, oh, I feel very uncomfortable, or maybe I don't feel like I'm good enough yet, or I don't feel yeah. like it. And it does take experience to get to be um, you know, very skilled at what you do in terms of uh, being technical. But you have a lot more to give than just that. You know, you have yourself to give. And I think just knowing and clients, you know, and patients and working them with them for so many years, that I think bonds my clients to me probably even greater than my technical skills. And I feel yes. like my technical skills are developed. You know, I've been doing it a long time and I, I teach, uh, of course, but still, I think it's more that ability to bond with people that's even more important. That's it. That's that's the key. I think this is a wonderful place to to wrap this up. We've talked about so much and so many ways to ensure your clients are satisfied. Michelle, could you tell everyone where they can find you, whether it's on social media or to take a class with you? Yeah, definitely. So um, I give classes in all kinds of things, clinical aesthetics, aromatherapy, and everything just to give a little short rundown from, you know, acne, chemical peels, uh, lymphatic drainage. If you go to Concepts Institute, you can check out, you know, check out all the classes there. Uh, if you follow me and you follow us on Concepts Institute, 
or even educated Estes. I know everyone loved your interview, Tess. <laughs> on, it, it, so we just loved it. Had a great, um, wonderful feedback. People would love to see you again, actually. So hopefully you can come back to us as well. But yes, yeah, so Educated Estes Concepts Institute, you can always find me there. If anyone has any questions, you know, feel free also to, uh, to send me an email. I'm, I'm happy to answer some of your questions for you. Thank you so much, Michelle, for your time. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I will leave all of Michelle's info in the notes below so you can find her or reach out. We really appreciate you listening, and we will talk to you in the next episode. up guys don't go anywhere if you have listened to my first ever solo episode on this podcast you know I wouldn't be here as an esthetician if it weren't for magazines in particular I really owe a lot to Allura magazine it was the thing that one thing for me that told me it's okay to love beauty that can be a passion, to celebrate it, to revel in it, to learn about it, to understand self-care does not make us selfish. It makes us better humans. Allure led me to fall in love with products and caring for people. It led me to work in publishing and eventually pursue a deeper education in the science of skincare. A partnership with Allure is one of those full circle things in life. Trust me, 16-year-old Tess is breaking out right now, and I am thrilled to partner with Allure and bring you the trailer for their new podcast. I hope their episodes and interviews with experts bring you a greater understanding of all things beauty, enlighten your inner product junkie, answer some of the skin questions that have been on your mind, and most of all, I hope it gives you the same joy that Allure has always brought me. Now, enjoy a sneak peek at their new show and trailer. Dear Allure, I've always wanted to know, do I really need to wear sunscreen? What can I do about hyperpigmentation? I want to make my pores smaller. Hi, I'm Michelle Lee, the Editor-in-Chief of Allure. And I'm Jenny Bailly, Executive Beauty Director. Here at Allure, we're always getting questions about how to choose the right exfoliant or conditioner or serum. So we started a podcast about it, The Science of Beauty. Each week, we'll be talking to experts, digging into the science of how beauty works. Because let's face it, how we look affects all of us. And there's a lot of science involved in just figuring out how best to take care of our bodies. It can be confusing. That's why we'll be figuring it out together with the help of the world's best experts. We'll be talking about pores. If we really were poreless, what would happen? We'd be dead. <laughs> Why we get hyperpigmentation. Your little pigment-producing factories have decided that it's time to work overtime. And of course, the most important skincare product of all. The tendency is to stop sunscreen altogether, and that's the worst thing, <laughs> you know, we don't want that. We'll be learning all about what to do and what not to do to stay looking your best. Tune into The Science of Beauty on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.